Greetings and welcome to the Talk Is Show, a show where we talk about anything and everything. I'm your host, John Medina. And I'm Aaron Williams Conley. Today on the Talk Is Show, we have iRobot, a reality, my new house. Pretty much the best thing of all time. Gosh! We also have a live interview and performance from Grady Frazier, and we talk a whole lot of Apple. Before we get into everything, I think people need to understand that that was the most awesome Napoleon Dynamite impersonation by John I've ever heard in my life. Well, you know, sometimes we just got to channel our inner nerdy, goofy guy. I mean, that's just your regular persona, but all right, let's go. (laughs) Okay, so this first story is about GM. They have released that they are planning to to come out with a driverless car by 2017. So we already know that Google has been testing a system that will allow a car to drive itself using cameras and GPS, but we're about to see a major automaker step into the game. GM appears to be the first one to enter this business, followed by Nissan, who will release a model in 2020. The car will be able to handle highway speeds up to 70 miles an hour. GM will also release a model in 2016 that will have vehicle-to-vehicle technology that will let it share traffic information and hazard warnings with other compatible vehicles. So basically what's happening is, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie iRobot, but Will Smith freaks out because he doesn't like his car driving himself, and we are getting to that point. So we've actually gotten to the point where automakers are going to make a car that you don't have to do anything. You just get in it, tell it where you want it to go, and it takes you there. I don't like that idea, and the reason why I don't like that idea is because... Honestly, I kind of feel how Will Smith was feeling in the movie iRobot just because simply I don't really want to be in a car that drives itself. And the reason why is because obviously, you know, machines have their faults and they do make mistakes. So I feel like that if I'm in a car and it's driving itself, then I have the potential to almost, you know, in a bad you know weird sense maybe watch myself about to crash like i don't want that like i just that just doesn't sound like something i'd be interested in like even though there are plenty of people that i know on the road um should not be on the road and i have no idea how they got a license i would be feel way way better if i could just drive myself you know what i mean yeah in the beginning it's really gonna suck just because it it's gonna be a really really weird situation with all the testing that's going to go into it you're going to run into the fact of like it's still new technology you don't know if it's going to malfunction because it is man-made and if anybody knows anything about man-made stuff most of the time the first time it's not the best so you're you're going to run into that issue of okay, well, this is cool and it's new, but do I trust it to drive me on the highway at 70 miles an hour? Probably not. However, eventually, after enough testing and stuff, it could be a really good thing. I mean, look at it as, you know, a computer that can make calculations a lot quicker than most people, so it's going to be able to avert accidents. You're not going to have a bunch of people driving recklessly because their cars are going to be driving themselves. So you might actually get to the point where traffic accidents are almost unheard of, and you might not even really need that many police out on the streets in terms of of pulling over pedestrians and stuff because – if everything's driven by the computer, then no one's going to speed and no one's going to be drunk driving and, and stuff like that. Cause you can't, you're not 
operating a mo- motor vehicle drunk if the car is driving itself. Which would be great because then I can just kind of like we can all go to the bar and just get like wasted and not even have to worry about a DD because the car is a DD. But once again, the only issue I personally have with it is just I just feel like I just feel like every time we make like a leap forward in technology, it's for something that like stops us from doing something. You know what I mean? Like I just feel like it's like we're, it's almost like the more like farther ahead in technology we go, like the lazier we get like we're having we're like we're trying to invent a car that we don't even really have to operate i mean aside from just telling it where to go and it just takes us there like we're not gonna like people aren't gonna be driving anymore like you know we already have phones where we basically don't even have to learn anything because you can google everything i just i just feel like that the more we advance in technology we're just finding more and more ways to where we don't have to do anything well I mean, it it doesn't necessarily mean that we don't have to do anything. It's just we don't have to drive, and, and that's not a bad thing. I mean, I'm sure most people would like to take a little nap on their one-hour commute to work. That That's not so bad. You could actually, since you can save the time of driving by maybe taking a nap or getting some other things done, that's going to free up some extra time in your life. I mean, people that drive an hour to and from work every day are wasting two hours of their life driving. They could spend that two hours doing, you know, they could read, they could do whatever because the car is going to take care of driving itself. But one of my biggest issues would be hackers. Say that somebody doesn't like you and yada, yada, whatever, and they end up hacking into your car and steering it for you and making it go off of a cliff or something like that. So there's a lot of security issues that we would run into and they can tell us that there's no, that you don't have to worry about that all day long. But Apple kind of showed us that that doesn't, that that doesn't mean as much as people think it means. Okay. So, um, we're going to go ahead and move on to the next subject um, just because our final thing that we talk about is going to uh, take us quite a while. So we don't want to we don't want to drag this on for too terribly long. So the next thing we were going to talk about here is the most expensive house in the United States. So a house just went onto the market. It's listed through Caldwell Banker Previews International in Florida. If any of you are interested or in the market for a house, the house is a 60,500 square foot house sitting on four acres and 465 feet of beachfront property. It's expected to be completed near the end of 2015, and some of its selling features are a 26 foot entrance fountain, the first ever personal IMAX theater with a 50 by 27 foot screen with a bar, lounge, and seating for 18 people. Three master bedrooms and one presidential suite, each with a jacuzzi overlooking the ocean, and 4,500 square foot infinity edge pool with a 12 foot waterfall. It's also got another, I believe, uh, eight bedrooms, so it's got a total of 11 bedrooms, 17 bathrooms, and this house can be yours for the low price of $139 million. You know what? For everything you described, when you just said it was only like 139 mil, I was actually like, that's low ball. I, I, I really like overestimated. I was thinking you were going to say like a billion or something like, like 132 mil. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that's not a lot of money, but I mean, I mean, I guess if you consider, you know, it's a house and, you know, a lot of the most 
some of the richest people in the world's houses, you know, aside from a few eccentrics, are only in the couple million range, if that. But I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I guess, I, I mean, yeah, that is a lot if you think about, you know, certain people's net worth. Obviously, to Bill Gates is probably not a whole lot. Um, but I mean, even someone such as Jay Z, who's worth like I want to say like seven hundred million. I mean, if you think about it, that's you know, that's a, that's, that's still like a good chunk of his wealth right there just in a house. I mean, you know, so, I mean, it's a lot, but I guess after hearing all that, I definitely felt, I don't know. I guess I was thinking I'm not in the house mark like that. So that kind of threw me off that it was less than like 500 million, I guess. Well, I mean, it's $139 million to buy the house, but You've got a 60,000-square-foot house, so you are going to have to hire somebody to come clean that thing because no one is going to have the time to clean that house. That is a full-time job just to clean the house. Beyond that, you're going to have taxes, insurance, things like that. I mean, the house is a lot, but keeping the house up is a lot. I mean, you've got to take care of the pool. you got to take care of everything. The upkeep of the house is going to be a lot of money every year on top of the spending $139 million. Granted, if you have $139 million laying around, you can probably afford the cleaning staff and everything else. But you know, I I don't, I, I I definitely think you're, you're overestimating how much they're going to have to maintenance this house. Like obviously pool and, you know, obviously regular maintenance, like stuff that, especially like a pool, like the seasonal, you know I mean? You have to take care of that. I mean, you know, but I mean, you said sitting on four acres, right? Yeah. Like, John, you you probably not gonna make it through like twenty percent of the house in like the first like couple months. Like, so I mean, you're not gonna have that much to clean up. Like, I don't know. It's just like uh, with a house that big. I mean, there are people who have houses that are like a quarter of that size that are like, you know, wow, this house is huge. Like, you know, I mean, we're never even on a certain side of the house. Like this, I like. I, I feel like this is a house for a certain like type of person, a certain type of business. Like this isn't something like some eccentric person with a lot of money is just going to buy like for themselves. Like this, like there's such a thing as like just spending your money just to show you have money. But this is just kind of a, a bad purchase. If it's like, like for, like for me personally, if I had the money to buy this house, I'm a, I'm a, um, you know, I'm a single guy, um, by the government standards. And, so I would never have any purpose to buy this house. I mean, unless I was throwing parties in it. I mean, it is in Florida, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, you know, so, I mean, all I see this is just somebody's going to get it as a party house, um, which is a great idea, but I, I don't see it as being someone's actual home. Yeah. And I mean, that's true. When you look at the house and all the different rooms and the amenities, it's definitely, not a house that's that's meant for just one person or even a couple it's it's more like a house for an entourage you know for for a group of people to live together um but separately at the same time because when a house is that big you can live together and not see each other even in a day if you don't really want to um but it I mean, that is, I, I don't understand why someone would have the urge to even build that house without actually building it for somebody else. They're building this house to sell it. 
they're not building it for someone. Someone is not already paying them to build it. They're just building it and then they're going to put it on the market. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, it's not going to be done till 2015. So, which I mean, technically isn't that far away, but it's enough time to see if anybody's going to bite before the, before the house is completed. If I were spending $139 million on a house though, I would want to have something to say about it before it was built. So I, I mean, if I had that money and I needed that big of a house, I would build one myself before I would buy one that someone else already built. Uh, you can get online and actually check out some of the pictures. It is a pretty nice house. So uh, after the pod, if you got nothing else to do, go ahead and go take a look at that. Um, our next story is going to be about Napoleon Dynamite. Um, I really liked that movie. I kind of wish they would have made a sequel to that movie. It was it was a lot of fun, but it's been 10 years since the release of the first one, so I doubt they're going to make a sequel. Um, but so the guy who played in the movie, his name was John Hedder, and he was Napoleon, and he hasn't really been doing a whole lot the past few years. He's been doing some work on some TV shows, but we haven't really seen him in anything on the movie side of things. But... There was a 12-year-old girl named Mary Elizabeth Paris who has, who is a huge Napoleon Dynamite fan. She loves the movie. She loves everything about it. And so after hearing about how much she liked the movie, John Hedder actually sent her a video. He sent her a video because she has cancer. I think she has leukemia. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. And so John Hedder sent her this video message in character as Napoleon with the voice and everything and basically just told her to be strong you know to stay strong and and work through it and that he's rooting for her and it was only like a minute and a half of a video but you know he took that minute and a half out of his time to send this little girl a video to make her the happiest girl in the world I mean she loved it and it was really cool and I thought it was pretty sweet I, I liked it a lot and you know, it, it's nice to see famous people taking time out of their day to, you know, to communicate with another human on that level. Like, they're people, too, and they have feelings, and he heard about this, and although he couldn't make it to her in person, he still did something to show he cared, and I thought that was really cool. I mean, like I said, uh, just to keep it, you know, quick and brief, I really do appreciate that as well, that, you know, it's nice to see the stars, you know, regardless of what level you're on or how famous you feel like you may be, you know, still do things like that for their fans. Cause I mean, he just easily could have just been like, whatever, like I'm not doing that. But the fact that he actually took time, um, to, you know, say, Hey, you know, this is a true fan of mine. Like, you know, I'm gonna do this nice thing for, I mean, and that's the thing is that it's not necessarily about how long it was. It's about the fact that he actually took the time to do it. And, you know, probably made her year, you know, let alone her day, you know. And, and it's, it's the little things like that that mean the most. Yeah, definitely. Um, so now it's the time of the show for us to go ahead and interview Grady Frazier. So we'd like to welcome Grady Frazier. Okay, so now that we've talked to Grady, before he performs, we're going to talk a little bit about Apple. This seems to be something that we talk about a lot on this show, um, but 
of course, Apple can't stay out of the news. So before we even get started on talking about the phones and the watches and the new updates and everything about Apple, I just want to say that I am very, very upset that I couldn't watch the live event because of compatibility issues. If you didn't know, you could not watch the live Apple event unless you had a Mac or an iPhone running Safari. I do not. I have Windows products, so I couldn't watch it. It it made me upset for multiple reasons. One, I was curious and I wanted to watch it live and I didn't get to and I had to sit here and watch Twitter and you know Facebook and all these social media sites blow up with people talking about stuff that I had no idea of because no website had any updates really on it until after everything was over. And the second thing is that's horrible for a business strategy. That is horrible. Of course, they've got retention customers. We know that. We, But most of their retention customers don't care if they get to watch the event live because they're going to go buy all of their products anyway. As a business, your goal is to keep your current customers, but also to get new customers. And it's not very good to say, okay, well, we're going to release all this awesome stuff that you're going to want, but we're not going to let you watch our release show of it until later because you don't already have one of our products. That's not the way that it should work. Last year, that's not how they did it. Or their October, uh, yeah, their October event last year that they had did not work that way. And their spring event this last year didn't work that way either. You were able to watch it on any device that had the internet. And that's a lot better. Why they changed their mind this time, I do not know. I just, once again, and since, and John, you're correct. We do talk about Apple a lot on here. So, our listeners will not be surprised to hear me say this once again because I say it probably every show because we talk about Apple like every show for some reason. John's a certified Apple hater. Um, I don't care what he says. Um, it's he more is, like a bias you know, against and <laughs> Apple and for anything that's not Apple. Call it what you want, but I'm, I boil it down to Apple hater because I don't have time to say that. Um, but personally, I don't have these same type of issues um, because I am a, I'm actually a graphic designer in the AM. And so I have a MacBook at home. I actually work on a Mac so, at work. So I do get to listen to, I did actually get to listen to the keynote. I didn't get to watch it as much as I wanted to, but I did get to listen to it. And, um, I did obviously catch some things when they started talking about the, uh, the new Apple watch coming out. I, I took a look at it while I was at work, um, just to see what it was looking like. And, and, um, you know, are we going to go in right now on our opinions? No, we got to talk about the specs okay. and stuff. Um, you know, it's just, I, I personally didn't really have an issue and I can, and as much as you say, you know, it's a bad business strategy, I kind of like it just because it's one of those things that the way I look at it is like, you know, by making it only like Apple, you know, because I actually tried to run it off Chrome only to realize that I couldn't run it off Chrome. Um, so I had to switch to Safari, which I actually never use at work, which is weird because I use a Google browser on a Mac, but, um, I just like the interface better. Um, but it's, I like it because I feel like it's like it's basically Apple saying that, you know, our current customers, people who currently own our products that want to know about it, kind of get the first peek. I mean, you know, it's, it's no different from um, I want to say it's Activision who owns the rights to Call of Duty, uh, basically going saying that if you pre-order it through GameStop or whatever, you get it a day early. 
um, I like, like I said, I like that idea. I feel like, you know, if you're, if you're willing to, you know, if you've been running with Apple since day one, they're like, Hey, you know, you get to know about it first. Everybody else can wait till after the press conference. I mean, most of the consumers that I know are just going to wait, you know, they're going to hear about it. It came out, you know, I believe the press was on Tuesday and, and, um, yeah, it was on Tuesday. And I believe that, you know, I feel like everyone was like, oh, it came out Tuesday. You know, once they finally got the free time to sit down or, you know, they were just going to check social media or Google it themselves anyway. I highly doubt that too many average customers were like making it a thing to listen to it. Isn't that a little bit of uh, irony? Google searching the new iPhone. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're I mean, right. Yeah, I, I, I don't that. know. But, uh, okay, well, let's jump right into the phones real quick so uh we're gonna talk about the specs on each phone um and and then we're gonna give an opinion about it and then we'll move on to some of the other apple products that they talked about so we've got the iphone 6 it comes in two separate models we've got the iphone 6 which is a 4.7 inch screen and the iphone 6 plus which is a 5.5 inch screen and for the android users out there um which i am you know like i said i'm still currently an android user um, just to kind of give you a comparison, the 4.7 would be equal to the Galaxy S3 that came out a couple years ago, and the 5.5, I believe, would be equal to the Note 2. Um, I know the Note 3, which I actually is my current phone, is a 5.7, so I mean, 0.2 inches really isn't a whole lot. So I mean, it's a, it's about the same size, at least screen wise, um, as the Note 3, the iPhone 6 Plus. Okay, uh, they have an 8-megapixel camera, but the camera can shoot in up to 42 megapixels when doing panoramic shots. It's going to have NFC, which is going to be utilized mostly for Apple Pay. It's going to have a fitness tracker that's improved over the current one. Also going to have improved battery life. Pricing, that's what everybody cares about, right? 16-gigabyte phone is $199 with contract, $64, $299, $128, That's for the iPhone 6 iPhone 6 Plus, 16 gigs is 299, 64, 399, and 128, 499. They're gonna come in gold, silver, and space gray, and they're available. They're available to launch on September 19th in the U.S., Australia, Canada, France, Germany, Hong Kong, Japan, Puerto Rico, Singapore, and the U.K. But pre-orders begin September 12th, which was yesterday so if you did not go pick up your iphone online yesterday you're gonna be you're gonna have a bad time apple's website crashed at&t's website crashed t-mobile's website crashed basically the iphone broke the internet yet last night there were people sitting in I love their, that. They, I love that. I absolutely there, love that. There were people sitting in their house at three o'clock in the morning in their underwear on their laptop trying to order an iPhone for two and a half hours while Apple's site went down. But it only went down in the U.S. So if you lived in the U.K. or Australia, Canada, France, Germany, Hong Kong, Japan, Puerto Rico, Singapore, you did not have an issue. That is just awesome. I love that. It reminds me actually of I'm a sneakerhead. I love shoes i especially love air jordans um and it remind and you like just the, the the seriousness of people trying to pre-order the the new iphone reminds me a lot of when and for those of you who listen who are uh have ever tried to go online and get a sneaker on release date you have run into the issue at least a popular sneaker have run into the issue 
of getting the message that the site is going down or like that there are so many people on the site currently trying to get the shoe. Like it's, it reminds me of that. And it's funny because it's just like, it just goes to show like, regardless of the fact that they didn't let anybody stream their press conference without an Apple device or whatever, that people are still going to buy this phone. Yeah, I actually read an article on The Verge. Um, a guy got up at 3 o'clock in the morning, well, 2.50 to get ready to order his iPhone. He had four devices. He had his laptop, his wife's laptop, his iPad, his w- wife's iPad, and he had two of them on his carrier's website and two of them on Apple's website to try to get this phone. And it took him 45 minutes to be able to get it in order. Now, he got it before everything was trash, before everything went down. He was able to go ahead and get his phone but it's just, I mean, he had four devices and it still took him 45 minutes to get an opening to where he could order this phone. So it definitely was a huge pre-order. And they said, I believe it's the biggest pre-order they've had in two iPhone releases. So it gained a little bit of steam. And the the size probably has something to do with that. But on the size thing, now we can get started on the debate. Okay, so the phone oh. is starting to look more like an Android device. I don't and, care who you are, and I don't care what you say. It is starting to look more like an Android device. I don't care what you say because I have the perfect, like, go ahead and like, I have the perfect defense for that because I don't believe it's starting to look more like an Android. I believe it's starting to look more like an iPad. Cause if you look at an iPad, if you look at the new iPhone and look at the iPad, they look exactly the same. And it's the, just a smaller the, version. The like no, that's what corners are different though. The, the corner. Oh my god. That's <laughs> the, the curve. Corner, the, the corners the, are different. The, the iPhone is known for being more of a square phone, and this was definitely a lot more curved. It's because they turned it into. It looks like an iPad. It no, has curved it, it, corners. It's like, looking yeah. like that Android though. No, it's not. Stop. <laughs> but it. beyond that, I'm concerned as to why they did not come out with a smaller phone. Now, before everybody starts jumping out and saying what a smaller phone a lot of iphone users like the iphone because it fits in their hand really nice and it fits in their pocket really easily now this is a completely non-professional non-scientific possibly a little biased study but most of the people that i know that have iphones don't necessarily want a bigger phone so why did apple choose to come out with two phones that are much larger than the previous iPhones, I don't know. Do I think it will hurt their numbers? Not at all. A lot of Android users that had Androids because they liked the big size but preferred Apple operating system are going to jump ship and go to Apple. And you're just going to keep seeing the marketplace duke it out. It's not going to hurt. If it hurts anybody, it will hurt Android a little bit. Will it hurt Samsung? Probably not. Probably going to hurt a lot of the other Android manufacturers, though. For people who think it's going to hurt Samsung, I need you to go to Yahoo Finance, and I need you to type in Samsung and look at how much their company is worth. Samsung is doing just fine. Just fine. Like, the Galaxy S3 is a hobby. Or not that Galaxy S3, but their phone department's a hobby. (laughs) Like, if if you ever are ever curious about any of Samsung's like holdings and their other companies and everything else they do, go look them up. Like this is, this is going to hurt Android maybe, but not Samsung. Samsung's doing just fine. Well, and a lot of people don't know. Uh, a lot of people know that Samsung's a Korean company, but a lot of people don't know the extent of Samsung's effects over the world. They make everything. They make construction equipment, bulldozers, 
air conditioners. They make a lot of stuff that they don't necessarily sell in the United States. So, as Aaron said, their phone, their electronics department is definitely their main department. But they make money in other places too. And we're going to see LG, HTC, Huawei. We're going to see them suffer more than we're going to see Samsung or even Google suffer with this. Or even HTC. Well, I guess they, they, uh, are they still doing the Beats thing? Um, Negative because Beats is now owned by Apple and Apple does not associate with any other company besides Apple and possibly Nike. Yeah, I plug for you right there. Um, well, see that, and that, and that's the thing is that you know a lot of companies who main focus is their phones will be somewhat hurt about this, but I mean other like Samsung, they're they'll be fine. Like Samsung, like I said, go to Yahoo Finance and see how much it costs to buy a piece of Samsung stock. I promise you, you can't afford it. And speaking of Beats, I was really surprised that they didn't release any new headphones or anything like that. At that, I thought that they were going to use that and rub it in everybody's face. Hey, we got Beats. Guess what? Suck it. Because we have Beats. As much as you think that Apple is like just this corporation of mean, evil people who are just like sucking all the time, they're really not. Okay? Like, they're just... I have never said that Apple is a is a corporation of mean people. Although I have heard after reading Steve Jobs' autobiography that he was not a nice person. He was a great businessman and a genius marketer. Not necessarily the nicest guy. Even his best friend said, I wouldn't want to work for him. I mean... Uh, <sighs> But, I mean, you can't even really take that with a grain of salt because, I mean, if you watch the movie uh, where Ashton Kutcher, I believe, did a very, very, very good job uh, to play Steve Jobs, I mean, they, they made it very true to the fact that Steve was, you know, eccentric and not the nicest guy sometimes, you know what I mean? That's the thing is that, uh, no, one thing I've heard about a lot of great people in this world is that most of the great people in this world are not nice people. You know, some of the people who have done some of the most revolutionary stuff weren't the best people to get along with and they weren't everybody's friend, you know, and unfortunately, you know, and and I think it stems because in order to have those type of thoughts and to be so revolutionary and uh, innovative, I feel like those type of people don't come around very often and normally they're not like the rest of us. Yeah, and and there's something to be said about that. I mean, that's there's definitely truth in that social skills may be sacrificed for certain aspects of of being good at you know marketing or business or inventing and things like that but let's move on to the next thing that i want to talk about here nfc yes finally i am so glad that apple decided to embrace nfc for those of you that don't know nfc is near field communication and android has had it for like three years and what has it been good for Nada, nothing, zilch, nothing. But now that Apple has it and they are utilizing the stand, the NFC standards, which Android also uses, we will see a lot more uses come for it and Androids will be compatible with it too. So I'm really excited for that, especially the new Apple Pay feature, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Aaron, what are your thoughts on the uh, the new NFC feature in the iPhones? Uh, I appreciate it just because I feel like I don't, you know, I don't really have too much of an opinion on the NFC thing. Um, when they, when they announced it, I was like, okay, that's good. You know, I was, you know, once again, I had a Galaxy S3, um, years ago or not years ago, but a couple years ago and, um, it had NFC. So, I mean, that just kind of puts you in perspective on how long Androids have had have it and how 
new it is to iPhone. And um, I know we were talking the other day um, outside the pod, of course, about my opinion. I feel kind of like when I was listening to the press release and everything that Apple had to offer and everything, I kind of felt like they were catching up. Like, I kind of felt like everything they were kind of releasing was something that Android had kind of already had. But I really didn't mind it because I felt like they were improving on what Android had already put out. Apple almost suffered from what BlackBerry suffered from. And it was, we're the king, we're the greatest, and no one's going to knock us down so we don't have to worry about coming out with new stuff as quickly as often. But they didn't quite. They were still coming out with new stuff, iPads and things like that. And then once Android started to gain steam, they definitely said, no, we're not going out without a fight. And they came back with, with some devices that are really good, and, and they're going to do well. I mean, that's just, it's Apple. We couldn't expect anything less. If Apple came through tomorrow and said, you know, we had the worst sales sales numbers ever, I would personally be shocked. I I, I would react poorly to it just because it's, you know it's there, you know they're there, and you know they're going to kill it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh my god, John is. I think John is joining Team Apple. I'm very excited. Not joining Team Apple. He's definitely definitely team not. Apple. I still, I still, uh, I respect them as a business. Dislike them as a consumer. I love that because we're recording on a MacBook right now in GarageBand, which is all Apple. But that's fine. Whatever. Touche. <laughs> Probably gonna cut that part out. No, we're leaving that in there. Um, okay. <laughs> um, okay. So the one thing that confused me about this whole release deal with these phones is that they skipped the 32 gig model. They went from a 16 to a 64. Now normally they have a 16, they have a 32, and they have a 64, and they go in hundred dollar increments. This time they had a 16, a 64, and a 128, and went in hundred. Yeah, $100 increments. What I'm wondering is why did they keep the 16 and drop the 32? Why didn't they just drop the 30 or drop the 16 and have a 32 for 199, 64 for 299, 128 and so forth? Which is kind of what isn't that what uh, Samsung did with the Note 3? Cuz I don't think you can get the Note 3 in a 16 gig, can you? I think it's still, yeah, I'm pretty sure you can get it in a 16. I don't think all carriers took it in a 16, but I think you can get it in a 16. Well, uh, the reason, well, the, I have, my phone is 32 gigs and I personally, I don't know why I kind of with you a little bit. I don't know why they took the 16, but skipped the 32. Well, from a business aspect, they probably did that because going from 16 to 32 costs, doesn't cost that much. Yeah. So they just were like, well, we'll give them 16. They can pay 100 bucks or they can pay 200 bucks. Or if they want more storage, they can jump up to a 64 and we can charge them another $100 more. However, if I were in that position, I would maybe look at the fact of, okay, yeah, they can get a 16 for 199 or we can sell them a 32 for 199. It might cost us 20 bucks more to, you know, make the phone a 32 gig instead of a 16 gig, but they have double the storage. And what are they going to do with that? They're going to buy music from the iTunes store and then we're going to make a bunch of money anyway. So why they did it, I don't know. I'm, I mean, Apple's really closed doors about a lot of their marketing strategies and things. So will we ever know? Maybe one day, but I, 
there's a reason that Apple does anything and everything, and and there was a reason why they did this. Now, see, the way I feel about it is personally, when I read and read, um, you know, how many, like the size, like of the memory of the phones, I was kind of a little upset because they kept the 16 gig, because I would rather them have kept the 32 gig for 200, and then, or for one, or yeah, 200, and then like for you know, for three, you can get the 64 gig because personally I have a 32 gig phone, but I have a lot of music on my phone. Like I actually checked, I actually hit 800 songs today, um, which is topping out of like five gigs, like five and a quarter gigs. And, you know, for me to have a lot of music on my phone and if I do decide I want to make the switch, I would like to kind of, I would, I would have rather paid the price of the 64 gig of the price of the 32 or the 16 gig for a 32 gig instead of paying for a 16 gig because i know i need more space in that yeah and and the thing about that is that like if you have an android phone you get the 16 gig phone whoop-de-doo you can get a memory card with most of them iphone not the case but if you have an Android phone and you're interested in getting a bigger memory card or a memory card at all, just remember that ScanDisk has now came out with a memory card that can hold 512 gigabytes worth of information, and it can be yours for the low price of $800. And it's not even going to be—it's not even compatible with any phones out right now. That is correct. <laughs> so, but it is waterproof, dustproof, temperature, tamp, <laughs> temperature-proof. Sorry. Lost my stuff there. Going to cut this out. So temperature proof. And it's useless at this point in most devices. So. But what ifs? You know, I mean, got to start somewhere, I guess. Okay. So uh, as I mentioned, the phone comes in gold, silver, and space gray, which is, I believe, the 5S came the the 5s came in gold silver and space gray right yes 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 um i'm actually looking at the colors right now they actually yeah those are the same exact colors um i actually but the, the thing is is that the space gray on the 5s kind of looks a little better um i because it looks more like a black and i kind of like that i think the um, front of the six is going to be the black and then the back, like the back plate's gonna be this weird silver color. Yeah, like it look, it looks way more like I guess space on the back and the gray <laughs> on the front, you know. But I, I kind of like the way it looked on the 5s better. I kind of wish the phone had been like darker, like a truer black. But that's just me. Yeah, I, I kind of wondered why they didn't do more colors. You know, they did that whole 5c thing with like the five different colors and. Well, I mean, let's be real. The 5c was the 5c is really. It was really just a colorful 4S. Yeah, I, I think you know. I think it didn't turn out as well as they had planned and hoped on it turning out, and I think that's why they they. I think that they blamed a lot of that on the color. Yeah, I mean the thing about it was, uh, I believe that I believe that's part of. I think that was kind of like a quick soft release for the iPhone six. Like, okay, we're gonna put out this phone called the five C, and we're gonna make it in a bunch of different colors, and we're gonna see if people want it. And I think that kind of influenced why they kind of stuck with the 5S colors, which I, I like them. I just wish the, the space gray, which is probably the color I would go with, it would be a little darker. Yeah, if I had to get an iPhone, if someone held a gun to my head and said, you got to get this, I'd definitely go with the black or well, the space gray. Uh, just because white 
I'm not a big fan of white phones. I had one for a time, and it's not that it got dirty, but I just, I don't know. I, I just don't like it. Gold, I would not get the gold iPhone for like two reasons. One, it's a gold phone, which is probably... F- no, I don't want to offend people. It's not for girls. It's just not for me. I'm not a big gold guy. I like gold. Like, if I had gold bars, I'd be happy, but I don't need a gold phone. <laughs> wow. But the second reason is because when it was in... It's conceptual stage for the 5S. The gold phone was codenamed the Kim Kardashian. And I can't walk around with the phone that was once called the Kim Kardashian. Just can't do it. I really want the gold one now. Like, I, I had no idea. I had never heard that before. Yeah, because that's the closest you're ever going to get to Kim Kardashian. Kim, if you're listening, I can do you better than Kanye can. Um, <laughs> Just just call me. And if not, I, I don't care what anybody says. This is a complete side note, but I will one day be a member of the Kardashian clan. I haven't figured out which sister yet, but um, one of them is going to call me. She doesn't listen to the pod. What if she decides to listen to this one? She doesn't listen to the pod. All right. <laughs> okay, so we're going to move on to the next thing that Apple announced, and this one surprised me. Because of the name, Apple released the, wait for it, Apple Watch. Okay, now first off, when I heard, because like, for since I got to listen to the keynote and you didn't, when they brought this out, like when they were, they were like, okay, well we've shown you the 6 and the 6 Plus, and now we have something else for you. And I was like, okay, this is when they're going to bring out something, something else, like something extra. And I, and I really didn't know it was going to be a watch. But I knew it was going to be like another product that would be compatible with the six. Um, and that's when they brought out the Apple Watch. Now, I was kind of upset. And the reason why I was upset, I think I was upset. Same reason why you're kind of upset is because I was expecting this to be the iWatch. Yeah. I mean, when you sit there and your business strategy is to name all of your products with a little lowercase I in front of a capital letter. Why are you going to change it now? It should have been called the iWatch or the Apple iWatch, like the Apple iPhone, the Apple iPad. Why they did that, I Somebody's don't Somebody's trademarked know. that name. That's like the only reason why. Like some, But I feel like Apple would just buy them out of that. Oh, like, they would. Yeah. They would. Yeah, they like would in do a it heartbeat. without a doubt because that's marketing right there. Everyone who It was rumored that they were making a smartwatch, and everyone that talked about it called it the iWatch before it even was announced. Now they have to go back. Yeah. And now they have to go back and change it to the Apple watch. They had a lot of brand recognition for an iWatch before they even talked about it. Then they decided not to call it that. And then they lost all that brand recognition, but not really because they're Apple. So it doesn't matter. You know, maybe they're saving that name for like a TV. Possibly. I mean, cause but the I, they, you know, like, I, well, I guess they have ITV. Apple TV. So yeah, I guess maybe, I don't. Maybe it has something to do with the reason why they call the Apple TV and not ITV. Well, I think it's because if you if you think about it being called ITV and an iWatch, I feel like that is kind of like iWatch TV. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, so that was nice. Um, I just think that maybe the name doesn't sound as nice as iPhone or you know iPad. You know. So I feel like maybe that's why they went because it just didn't make as much sense. Yeah, I'm sure that had something to do with it. Um, So the features of the Apple Watch. It comes with a sapphire single crystal screen. It will work with the new iPhones, but it will also work with the 5S, 5C, 
and the 5, but it's only compatible with, you guessed it, iPhones. It's going to have a square surface and it's going to come with two in two sizes. One's going to be 38 millimeters in height and the other one's going to be a 42 millimeter height screen. It's going to have a digital crown. Now for those of you that aren't watch connoisseurs, a crown is the little windy thing on the side of your watch. The dial. None of the other smartwatches have this so this is something that apple that's apple only right now it's going to come with different brand the different bands one of which is waterproof and it can be yours for the low price of 349 dollars it's not going to be released until early 2015 though so after you take the hit for your iphone you do have some time to recover and save for your apple watch now see i like the fact that they are, I, and that's the thing I like about Apple is that, you know, they're making bands for it. Whereas, you know, Samsung, when they came out with their galaxy gear, they obviously had multiple colors, but I mean, you know, Apple was one of those things that they're, they're going to have bands and they're probably going to have compatible bands made by third party, you know, oh, yeah, outside manufacturers. You're going to see Gucci and Gucci. Coach, coach bands. Oh, all and Louis V bands place. everywhere. Uh-huh. Yes, I'm definitely getting a Gucci band. Get that band. Tom Ford. I don't care what I have to do to find a Michael Kors band. I do not care. I will pay whatever amount of money because you know bands will make her dance. So, <laughs> um, you know, it's like I, I now when I I said this earlier in the podcast, right when we started talking about the Apple product, is that like I, like I just said a second ago, you know, Samsung already has Galaxy Gear out, and they have a watch and. I said it earlier, I feel like Apple was kind of playing catch up, but I really wasn't mad about it because I feel I was, I was, I really wasn't mad about it because I feel like they looked at what Samsung had with galaxy gear and they said, okay, this is what they're doing. How can we make this better and make it our own? And I feel like the ad, the addition of the crown, um, was a great addition. And the reason why is because, the screen on a watch, even the bigger screen that they're going to ha- come out with for the watch, I it's too small to for like t- for it to be like touch screen, you know, to be seriously a touch screen. You know what I mean? For anything serious. So I feel like the addition of the crown makes it where you don't have to touch the screen as much. You know, and I feel like that's a good thing because the screen really it's not going to be that that big. Yeah, the the digital crown's going to allow you to zoom in and out. And it's going to also be your home button so you can exit out of an application that you're in, which it's cool and it makes it unique. It it does give it to Apple. But on the other hand, and this is in general, I'm not a big fan of smartwatches at all. One, I don't wear a watch hardly at all. I could never get used to them because I'd break them or get in the shower with them and they weren't waterproof and then they'd be broken. Uh, Two, smartphones kind of made watches useless and now we're just trying to bring them back and use them with it to each their own that's and you, fine and you know what i guess i i love you because i was just about to ask you hey john when's the last time you wore a watch i was i was just uh, about to ask you that like 10 years ago and i'm not that old yeah like, <laughs> uh, like you know i work you know i work in an office and, and on the occasion i like to get real snazzy and i do actually have a couple nice watches that i enjoy and um, I can be honest with you. I want to say the last time I wore a watch was probably, oh, it had to be at least a month ago. And you want to know? And you want to know what I did as soon as I sat down at my desk when I got to work? 
took off your watch. Took my watch right off. <laughs> I cannot type with that thing on. Like it's nice. It's very nice. Like when I go out, and I and then, and when I mean go out, I mean like when I'm dressed in more of a of a dressier form, like you know with a collared shirt and you know maybe some slacks and dress shoes. You know, when I go out to look nice or go to work to, and I'm feeling like I not that I don't look nice at work, but kind of dress up a little more than usual. I'll put on my watch, but nine times out of 10, as soon as I get like settled, I take it off because it's, it's one of those things that when I'm up and around or if I'm walking somewhere or if I'm inside the mall or whatever, and I'm looking a little dressy, I don't mind having it on, but it's kind of a nuisance. You know, I mean, it's one of those things that the problem with it is, I believe is because you have to have your phone with you in order for the watch to be functional. Cause it plays off your phone. So the only real thing that it does is make it to where you don't have to take your phone out of your pocket, but I don't have an issue with that. Like, I guess Apple thinks I would. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't either. And, you know, that's that's a completely different situation. My opinion on that may change. If these smartwatches get really sweet, I might change my mind and I might get one. But this is my one big concern. And this is the thing about it. Like, Sapphire single crystal screen. Cool. I don't care if the screen's made out of a thin layer of diamond that they harvested out of the butt of a genie. If the device is not waterproof, then it has the same fault as all the current wearable devices. What if I accidentally get pushed into the pool? What if I get in the shower and forget to take my watch off? What if I'm running down the street and I'm sweating and a dribble of sweat gets on the watch? It's useless and I just wasted $350. So... Until they make a wearable that is waterproof, I'm not going to be satisfied. They didn't say that the device was waterproof, but they also didn't say it wasn't. But I feel like if it was, they would have made a point to say that. I feel like they did say something about like it being like workout ready. I don't know. I can't remember exactly because, like I said, I was kind of catching it very in and out when it got to the watch. Um, but like I said, I, I, I do think, I do think that they kind of thought that ahead. I'm sure it'll be resistant, sweat resistant, like most phones are nowadays, at least speakers on phones are, but I don't think that that's going to mean it's waterproof, but we'll see. You know, I mean, who knows? I mean, isn't the iPhone itself somewhat water resistant? I think it's I think it's sweat resistant. I think like nowadays all phones are coated with that special stuff to help keep little moisture, humidity in the air, things like that from breaking your phone. There used to be a time if you had your phone in the bathroom with you while you showered, the steam from your shower would break your phone. I think they eliminated most of that issue. Um Okay, so the only other thing I really have to say about this Apple Watch is that it's priced a little high, especially when the majority of the competition's a lot cheaper. You got the Samsung uh, Galaxy Gears are like 200 bucks. You got the Galaxy Gear Neo that's the small one that's like 150 bucks. You got the Fitbits that are cheap as well. You've got all these different wearables that are that are pretty cheap, and then you've got the $350 Apple Watch. They're their biggest competitor, though, I think, is not even going to be Samsung, surprisingly. I think it's going to be the new uh, Motorola smartwatch that just came out. And the only reason why I think it's going to be their biggest competition is because it's round. It is... Oh, hold on. Hold the phone. A round watch? Say what? That's right. Motorola made a round smartwatch. 
Everybody says they don't do it because of continuity issues with the screen and things, but I, I mean, Motorola had enough confidence to do it, and I think that's going to be their biggest competitor, and it's also $100 cheaper. Like the, like the face of the watch is round? Yeah. Like, oh, it looks okay. like an actual watch, but it's got a digital screen instead of an analog screen. I mean, I can I can respect that. I mean, the fact that you know Motorola did it. I mean, I, I mean, I have watches that the screen is round. I have watches that the screen is square. I mean, so I feel like, you know, it's not necessarily that the Apple Watch and the Samsung Galaxy Gear don't look like actual watches. I just feel like if you see them, you can tell that they're not real watches. Yeah, and you know, do I think that the price is going to hurt Apple? No. Do you know why? Because Apple is a huge company that is going to get paid regardless. Because Apple users love to spend loads of money on anything that has an apple with a bite taken out of it on it. Apple hater. I'm not hating. I'm just being realistic. From a marketing standpoint, if you can put anything on an Apple phone and charge for it, you're going to get paid for it. If you put that same thing on an Android phone, you might get paid for it, but probably not. They probably just will do without. I guess. I mean, I like I said, the the way I feel about it is, you know, I, I feel like I'm personally probably never going to buy it. Not even if they get cool. I don't wear watches like that. Unless I just walk, I wake up one day and I walk into a store and I'm the only one without a smartwatch on, which I highly doubt that's going to happen, at least in my lifetime. Until that day comes, you probably will not see me with it. I don't know, man. If they get like really cool, like Star Trek style, I might get one. Because just because I'd feel like I was Captain Kirk walking around, you know. All right, sorry, I'm getting into sweaty nerd territory here. I guess. Okay, so we'll we'll go we'll go ahead and move on. <laughs> um, so one of the biggest things, per to me personally, that they announced was the Apple Pay deal. Now this is pretty sweet. And it's sweet because it's going to affect Android users as well, and that means it's going to affect John as well. So I'm pretty excited for it. So what Apple Pay is, is essentially instead of swiping your debit card, you're going to go into the store and they're going to have this little almost Wi-Fi hotspot looking kind of thing sitting on the table and you're just going to tap your phone on it and it's going to pay for you. You don't have to slide your card, type in PIN number, sign anything. You don't have to do anything. You're going to use your Touch ID to activate the Apple Pay and hold the phone near the contactless reader at the store. Uh, you can also use your Apple Watch by double-clicking the button below the digital crown to pay. And you can use Apple Pay with single touch in apps. So if you have an app like Uber or you have an app like Amazon and you want to purchase something, you can do it straight through there without having to enter any information. Now, it's actually going to create more secure payments because every time you hand over your credit or debit card to pay, your card number and identity are visible. So if a person at a store took your card, they could write your card number down and they could steal that card number and go buy stuff. With Apple Pay, instead of using your actual credit card, it takes your credit card number and your information and turns it into something called tokens. And those tokens go into the system of the retailer and it decrypts it and it takes the payment and then it that code is no longer usable ever again so it's a one-time use code it's going to give them the money without actually re releasing any of your information they won't be able to store any information and in you're not I mean you're not at risk anymore now the only issue with that would be the whole 
yeah, okay, a company that just had iCloud busted into is going to tell us that they want us to put all of our credit cards and debit cards onto our phone and trust them with the security, and we'll talk about that a little bit here in a minute. Um, but they already have a ton of retailers that are inclu- that are taking part in, in this. So we've got stores including Nike, McDonald's, Subway, Whole Foods, and 220 219,996 other retailers. So for a total of 220,000 stores that are going to be using this, that is a large beta test, essentially. So we're going to have a lot of opportunities to see this happen. Oh. <laughs> um, so a couple of my questions that Maybe I overlooked this part, but I don't think they mentioned it. Is how are you going to switch cards without unlocking the screen? They say you can touch it with just or you can pay with just a touch sensor sensor, but it's going to pay on each card. So if you're somebody like me and might have different cards for different places or just like to use different cards at different times, you're still going to have to go into your phone and change the card. Is that a big deal? No, I'm just nitpicking because it's Apple. Apple hater. I don't hate Apple. You dislike them very much. <coughs> and all they want to do is love you and sell you an $800 phone. But you just won't let them. Um, speaking of the phone, I'm actually very surprised how cheap the price is. They try to keep their phones at that price every year when they come out. I mean, when the 5, 5S, 5C came out, they were equal. I think the 4 and 4S were the same, too, when they came out. I guess maybe I was just sleeping because I swore they were way more expensive than that. Well, I mean they are retail. The, oh yeah. The, but the I mean the the 164 gig iPhone 6 Plus is a thousand dollars almost retail, but with a two year agreement, it's three ninety nine. I mean that's fine. I mean I just I was I was kind of I guess I guess because I have a 32 gig Samsung Galaxy Note three, and I paid like you know a lot. I won't say how much, but I did pay quite a penny. You were with me when I bought it. Um, not that I was disappointed. I love my phone, but I was just kind of shocked. I was kind of like, wow, didn't think it was going to be that cheap. But um, Apple Pay, I think, is a good idea. Um, it kind of reminds me of the whole, I believe, what was it called, PayPass? Yeah, whole, that MasterCard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, where you just kind of slot, like, just, like, tap your card on the thing and then keep it pushing. They had all those commercials about it that I don't think it ever really stuck. Um, and I, I think this will just because they finally incorporated it into something that maj- a decent amount of the world has. If you have a smartphone, you know, I believe probably at least six out of 10 people that have a smartphone probably have an iPhone, if not more, I'm just trying to be generous towards Android. Um, but I, I, I like Apple pay. I like the idea of it. I think it's going to be a good idea. Um, I personally don't have such an, you know, I actually, Apple Pay would come in handy right now. Um, I actually have the issue of my debit card after so long has become cracked. And I actually, they would help for me to have Apple Pay because that way I wouldn't have to order a new debit card. I could just, I wouldn't even ever have to take my debit card in my wallet. It might last a little longer. Yeah, and you know the only competition that Apple is gonna have in terms of this pay system is the new system that most uh, 
most countries use that we don't. I can't remember what it's called, but it's like key and pin or something like that. You just you don't actually scan swipe your card. You just basically hover your card over something in the little there's a little microchip in your card that transmits information to where it's going to go and they're actually working on on implementing that in the united states and they started working on it before apple releases apple pay so we're going to see that be their biggest rivalry in terms of how how payments are going to be made but whether it works in retailers and gets big in retailers doesn't really matter because it's going to be completely useful on the phones itself, and that's going to make it worth it for all the people that, that have the iPhones. But I do hope that it gets big in stores because then I can do the same thing with my Android phone using Google Wallet, which has existed for quite a while, be it known. There we go with that with that uh, Android shout-out. I like your enthusiasm. <laughs> um. I think that security-wise, I think it'll be okay. <coughs> I think that the way that they have it set up, in theory, I don't think that anybody's going to be able to to get into Apple's system, steal the tokens, decode the tokens, take your card, and then go buy stuff. I think that by the time that they got to that point, you would probably have a new debit card because the old one would have expired. Because of the way the token system works, it's going to use numbers, uh, letters, and characters, and it's going to be like like 26 or 30 digits long. And it would take a computer program a very, very long time to decode each one of those in order for them to steal any information. So uh, security-wise, I'm not really too worried about it. Might this come back to bite me in the in the backside one day? Maybe. In a year, I could be sitting here and we could be talking about the latest Apple scandal, but I don't think that's going to happen. I also like the fact that they don't save transaction information. And the reason why it doesn't is because Apple's always been about the policy where Apple doesn't make money by selling you and your information and your shopping habits to people. They make money by selling products to you. That's why a lot of Apple products are a little more expensive. Some people are fine with that inform or with you know with that. Some people would rather pay the extra hundred bucks, two hundred bucks for whatever, and not have to worry about their information going out there. Personally, if I'm going to get save a bunch of money and they're not telling them like my social security number and my card numbers, that's fine. If they tell them that I wanted to go buy, you know, my Dell computer from Best Buy and, and they want to tell a marketing company that that's fine. Go ahead. I don't care if it's going to save me 200 bucks every year on a new device. That's fine with me. I mean, it just it just the way you look at it. I mean, you know, I feel like Apple products are good products i feel like you know i have a macbook i work on a mac at work i have you know i'm thinking about switching to the iphone and i because i if i didn't feel confident in the product i wouldn't even contemplate making the switch because i feel like that you know i've never really had any serious issues out of my macbook as far as you know i mean you know the norm um my work computer i lit like i run a crazy amount of programs i probably have at least 
anywhere from seven to nine programs running at the same time, and I never really run into any type of lag. Um, it's very good for productivity. So I feel like, you know, I don't – if if me paying more means I get a great product and I might know my information is safe, I'm fine with that. You know, one of the things about Apple, and I this I have to give them credit to, and, and I – I wish that Samsung would do it on their phones, and I also wish that, well, Windows does kind of do it, but they don't do it as mainstream, and you kind of have to ask for it, but the reason why your MacBooks boot up and load so fast, and the reason why the iPhones boot up and load so fast and usually don't have any issues in terms of lag is because they put the they put the soft, the operating system on a solid state hard drive instead of the, the uh, removable drive and everything else goes on the removable drive. And I think that that's a good idea just because it, it creates that speed and that efficiency and it's much hard. It, it doesn't break down a solid state drive doesn't move as much doesn't have as many moving parts as a normal removable hard drive and so it lasts longer it operates better and it doesn't get nearly as hot and so i i think that that's that's one of the things that steve jobs the uh, steve jobs did right he said okay we're gonna make a computer and we're gonna make them as good as we can and we're not gonna sacrifice cost no, we're not going to sacrifice quality for cost. If our customers want a good computer, then they're going to pay a bunch of money for it. And I mean, that's that's a good business strategy. That's why a lot of people see Apple as, as a great computer company. That doesn't mean you can't find a PC that's just as good, though. I mean, once again, there goes the downing on Apple. I'm not downing, because but I feel like I have to compensate for for a compliment on my PC slash Android for every compliment that I give Apple. Well, the reason why I bring it up is because I know, for instance, that your computer has, what, 8 gigs hard drive? Of RAM. Of RAM. I have a eight. 500 gig hard drive, I think. Okay. And... How many programs that you can run on there at once? Oh man, dude, I run this thing into the ground all the time, dude. I probably I it could it could I don't know. I've never really tested it, but I know that most of the time when we do podcasts, I've got Skype about eight different browser pages open, a couple uh Word documents open. I've got my uh audio recording program running and my audio editing program running, as well as having my mic go through my sound card and uh, it works fine. I never have any issues. So, I mean, it does well. I've never had any issues with it, but I take care of my, I take care of my equipment. I make sure that it stays good. And and that's the thing. A lot of people don't take care of their products and that's why they break down. And also constant use of products also can cause it to break down as well, which is why a lot of people who claim that they've had Androids before and they say, Oh, my phone is, it started to crap out on me after a while. It's not necessarily because it started to crap out on you, but if you use your phone online, it's going to break down eventually. It's just how it works. You know, I mean, if you're if you're constantly, like when I had my Galaxy S3, I was living at a place where I didn't have access to Wi-Fi, and so I'm loving watching Netflix, and I watch a lot of Netflix, and I was watching it off my phone, and I it caused my battery to break down way faster than what it should have. And I wasn't, I mean, I knew that's what it was. I wasn't upset about it. You know, it was just one of those things that it sucked. But, I mean, you know, I did what I had to do. 
Um, the reason why I asked though was because I bet if I had my if I had my Mac Mini that I work on at work here only has four gigs of RAM, I bet I could probably keep up with you. If not, I'll do you. Possibly, but we'd have to see. Um, but and we're getting really off subject, but we're gonna talk about it anyway. Um, in terms of longevity of of computers at least especially laptops but this is completely true for desktops too and this is something that a lot of people don't realize your computer is a moving is moving constantly you can hear it spinning a lot of times you've got fans in there you got hard drives moving and stuff the best thing you can do to preserve the longevity of your computers is to leave them turned on have a screensaver. You can even hibernate them because when they're hibernating, they're technically still running, but leave them turned on. There is nothing more stressful on a hard drive than taking it from a complete stop to running 4,000 RPM because that's how that's around the average speed that a hard drive moves. So the best thing that you can do is leave your computer on and it will last much longer than if you shut it down every night. Okay, so we've talked about Apple for like 500 days now. So we're going to go ahead and, and take a break, and we're going to get our live performance from Grady Frazier. If you have any questions that you would like us to answer on the... Okay, I'm going to have to cut this part out. Because I didn't really close the show or anything. Yeah. All right, so... Um, I guess that's going to be it for tonight. We're, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. If you have any questions that you would like us to answer on the show, email them to us at talkishshow at gmail.com. Check out our website, thetalkishshow.weebly.com. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash thetalkishshow. Follow us on Twitter at uh, talkishshow. And last but not least, hit that subscribe button. If you're interested in downloading a copy of the podcast for on-the-go listening, whether you're at home, at work, working out, or pretty much doing anything else, you can access that information in the info pane below. And if you enjoy the show, let us know. Support us by telling your friends, family, and coworkers. And remember, without you, we're just two guys talking to ourselves.